This is Leveraging the Laboratory, a curated podcast for administrators, outreach managers, and laboratory professionals. I'm your host, Jane Hermanson. I'm the outreach manager at Mayo Clinic. Did you know that it's been over 30 years since Mayo Clinic Laboratories Outreach Team has hosted our first Leveraging the Laboratory conference? With 33 conferences behind us today, we still have so much content to share, we decided to add a monthly podcast. So thanks for joining in to listen to our first one. It might be helpful for our listeners to know who's on the team as we share why we think outreach is so exciting. So I'll kick it off. My name is Jane Hermanson, and as I shared, I'm the manager of the Mayo Clinic Laboratories Outreach Team. I'm a medical laboratory scientist by training and background, and I got my start with laboratory outreach over 30 years ago in a community hospital in rural Minnesota. I've been at Mayo Clinic since 1988 and have worked with our own outreach program, Mayo Clinic Laboratories, since 1995. In my roles, I've worked with our operations, service, sales, managed care contracting, and also with our outreach consulting department. And I'm blessed to have seen our own department's growth, as well as the growth of our clients' outreach programs. I'm still having a great time. Outreach is fantastic. So today, I also have with me Brianne Newton and Ellen Dykman-Dulkas, who are outreach solution strategists with Mayo Clinic Laboratories. They will each be asked a surprise question and introduce themselves. So the first question, Brianne, you're up. It's for you. Okay. So what is your favorite thing about what you do? Okay. So the favorite thing about what I do is at Mayo Clinic in our outreach department is our interactions with our clients. And what I love and find so special about what we do is every client's situation is unique. And what that calls on us to do is to help them create unique solutions. And so not every day and not every client will face the same challenges and just causing that out of box thinking. I love that. I love to be kept on my toes just a little bit. I've been in the laboratory about 20 years. And again, started as a a medical lab scientist like Jane. When you're working in the laboratory, every day may not be different, but a lot of the same challenges keep coming up. And so what I've really enjoyed in breaking away and breaking into Mayo Clinic laboratories in the outreach department is knowing that that interaction with the clients is completely different from day to day and being able to help them find their unique solutions as we work together to grow their outreach business. That's my story. So now I get to ask Ellen's surprise question. Ellen, tell me, have you always wanted to be a lab scientist? Oh my gosh, this is such a fun question, Brian. So thanks for asking me. I have wanted to be a laboratory scientist since high school. In fact, in my high school yearbook, I wrote it that I wanted to be a successful medical technologist when I grew up. I am living my dream. That sounds so corny, but it's so true. I was the first in my family to go to college and I stayed at my first and only job for 37 years at Dartmouth-Hitchcock. I worked in blood bank and chemistry and hematology and worked first and second shifts. And it's not easy being a bench tech. 
And after several years of being on the bench, I became the education director for the University of New Hampshire Medical Technology Program. And I got to train future leaders for the profession, which I'm endeared to. Many of my former students are now laboratory directors, and it's always fun to reminisce with them when our paths cross and see their stars continue to blaze across the universe. It's very exciting. <laughs> 16 years ago, I became the outreach manager for Dartmouth-Hitchcock, and I love this job. It really was my wheelhouse to be in, take everything I learned on the bench and apply it to working with clients. I oversaw the laboratory call center and managed the third-party courier relationship. I was really the middleman between lab operations and the customer relationship and really helped with pre-analytic and post-analytic wrinkles that came up. Life was never boring, especially when there was a snowstorm in New Hampshire, and I loved helping others to find solutions to their issues. I was even the project manager to take back three stat labs and seven physician practices back from a commercial vendor. That was not an easy job as there were so many moving parts, and I knew nothing about project planning and building building preparedness, human resource hiring, marketing, public affairs, and the importance of communicating with everyone on all that was going on. It was a very successful project and lots of people made it happen. And you can't do it alone. And really working through others is really the way to get things done. So after a progressive year with Dartmouth-Hitchcock, where I really grew up there, I retired, but I wasn't done working. I was really able to work for Jane, live in New Hampshire, and contribute to the Mayo team. And it's a great team. And we work on the outreach team with large and small organizations to grow their outreach program and keeping testing local. And it's been a fantastic journey. And I just love what I do. Thanks for that, Brianne. <laughs> so Jane, I've got a question for you. Since you are the longest member of the team and the resident historian, how has laboratory outreach changed in the last 20 years? Do you want to enlighten Brianne and I and our listeners? Oh, I'd be happy to enlighten you, but I actually want to go back, Ellen, because you said you wanted to be a successful medical technologist in your high school yearbook. My dream started when I was eight years old. I ah, you win, you scientist. win, you I win. I win, I win. <laughs> I had an uncle who was a med tech. He brought me into his laboratory. I think he probably let me play with a lot of really infectious, not healthy things for a kid to be playing with. But I got to do a bunch of lab tests when I was eight years old, caught the fever and still feel the joy every day, truly, in doing what we do. All right. So what was your question? History, oh, right? You want history? I want history, Jane. I want to know okay. where we've been and where we're going. All right. So let me say this. Outreach continues to change. And 20 years, you say 20 years, I can even go back 30. But outreach continues to change. But I think the main message is that it is as critically important today as it was back then. And if I think back to when I first started in a small rural hospital, the physicians in the community didn't use the hospital and it was two blocks down the road. Why? Because they didn't even know that we had services that we could help them with. And why is that? Well, number one, the clinic lab manager was married to the courier for a local regional <laughs> lab. So that didn't hurt. But at the same time, we also realized that we really hadn't talked to that practice at all and helped them understand what we could do. Just like we were in the situation of the hospital not knowing, that's really where hospitals were 20, 30 years ago. 
they didn't have good relationships with their providers. And guess who did? Lab companies. The independent external commercial laboratories did a really good job. They promoted their services and hospitals didn't. The lab companies had dedicated sales forces. They were developing back 20 years ago, they were developing information technology and support for interfacing with electronic medical records and the systems that doctors had. And they also had pretty good, strong career networks. And hospitals needed to develop that infrastructure so they could compete. Good news is that they did. And we've been working with our clients, really, I've been working with them for about 27 years to build all of that stuff. So fast forward to today, what's different? Well, today, hospital labs actually perform over 60% of the testing that's ordered in this country overall. Over 60%, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a lot. So, so why is that? And I think it comes down to the fact that health systems are strong today. We've formed as health systems. There are 6,000 hospitals in this country, but a lot of them are affiliated and part of a larger group. Those larger groups are finding ways to work together. And they're also purchasing physicians. They're starting to employ or affiliate strongly with physicians. So today, over two-thirds of physicians are actually employed by a health system. So what I like to say is if that physician is actually wearing your name badge, you would like them to be using the services from your hospital. And if they aren't, why not? So systems have actually built a lot of processes in place to actually take care of those physicians. And there's a nice infrastructure that exists now to support them. So that infrastructure includes access to information technology. They're all on an enterprise IT system that provides them the ability to order tests, view their results, they can see their x-rays, they can put their clinical notes in, and it's a full comprehensive medical record. And because the lab is part of the health system, they don't have to have a separate product anymore. They can work with their physicians through this process. We also find that as things need to move around, items, products, pieces of stuff need to move around those health systems, they've created a strong career network, a nice way to move things around. Also, because they are employed, the support process, it may not be as much of a sales conversation, and I'll put that in air quotes, which I hate air quotes, but that's <laughs> the only way I can say it. We, they create a sales process by which to support and provide a mechanism to have a stronger relationship with the hospital, the health system, as well as the laboratory departments. And then lastly, as organizations are setting up locations, maybe their health plexes, or even just a large physician office building, there typically becomes now spaces and an opportunity for the lab to put in a draw site mm -hmm. so they can actually draw blood from those patients. So there are a lot of infrastructure things that happen as part of being part of the health system that makes it easier today. What's the weird thing about it is that someone coined a new name. Now they call it inReach. They don't call yeah. it outreach anymore. And I don't care what you call it, as long as you do it. A hospital laboratory is poised well today to serve the needs of 100% of the patients in your outpatient market. So instead of calling it outreach or inreach, think of it as a discretionary outpatient test. When the laboratory of choice is the hospital laboratory, everybody wins. So. Has it changed in the last 20 plus years? 
certainly. But I think the one thing that remains the same is the fact that we are all here to serve patients and we are all here for the goal of making our organization stronger. And a laboratory outreach program can accomplish all of that. So that's really what it was like 20, 30 years ago. But what I want to do is look forward. So through this podcast series, you're not only going to hear history lessons, you're also going to get a lot of tools and information that can help you be effective in the future. So stay tuned. Brianne, Ellen, and I will be your hosts going forward to hit all kinds of the key topics and hot topics that are going on related to laboratory outreach. So stay tuned for all of the details that you need to have a strong program in the future. We've been rounding with the Mayo Clinic Laboratories Outreach Team. Thank you for joining us today. We invite you to share your thoughts and questions via email. Please direct any suggestions to mcloutreach at mayo.edu and reference this podcast. If you've enjoyed this Leveraging the Laboratory podcast, please subscribe. And until our next time together, we encourage you to continue to promote your community-based hospital laboratory. The needs of the patient come first. Thank you. Thank you.